0: You're listening to Closer Look.
1: Here's Tracy Lynn. Not only do we love these four-legged wonders, we depend on them. Dogs can be trained to assist people who are blind or in wheelchairs. They bring comfort to vets suffering PTSD. And they regularly partner with police to fight crime. And we're starting with Jennifer Lutz with Four Paws for Ability, and we have a lot to talk about today. But, Jennifer, mm-hmm. when we're talking about service dogs, what falls under that category?
2: So the definition of the service dog is one that is task-trained specifically to mitigate a disability. Certainly, service dogs for people who have autism, fetal alcohol syndrome, hearing issues, tight issues, all those dogs fall into the category of service dogs.
1: Are the needs different when we're talking kids versus adults or are they very similar?
2: Well it really depends on what those needs are. So with adults there's definitely a big independence factor there, a person who is going to be you know driving or going about their work life. For kids often they do need a supportive element. In our, our agency we place service dogs on we call a three unit team. So there's a parent or a trained adult there to support that child and service dog. So it's three unit team, dog, handler, and child.
1: Let's talk about a couple of the services that you offer. I should say that your dogs are trained to handle. And the first one I want to talk about are kids with autism. So what assistance can a dog offer when a child has autism?
2: Yeah, children on the autism spectrum can display a lot of different behaviors. And of course because it is a spectrum that does mean that behaviors might be unique to a child. Um, what we generally do see are different sensory issues. So we're looking for a service dog to do what we call behavior disruption, which is calming, comforting, redirecting behaviors. So if a child is displaying a sensory-seeking behaviors such as spinning or hitting their head, um, we can have the dog do deep pressure, lay over the child, give kisses to the child, to lick their face, provide calming aspects of laying their head on the child's lap, So the child can pet the dog and become calm from that. And then many children who have autism also have issues with being able to know when things are safe. And so they might go outside of their home but not realize the dangers of a pool or traffic. And so there's a lot of safety issues if they're out of their parent's sight. And so they might display what we call like wandering elopement behavior. And the dogs can be trained to actually do a search and rescue skill where they actually follow the child scent and find the child quickly so that parents can locate the child before they get hurt.
1: How is it that you train the dogs, we'll say, like not to bark, that the dog doesn't cause the problem? Now,
2: when we look at a service dog, we are looking at a specific set of behavior that goes way above and beyond what we would look from a pet dog. So a dog that has a specific temperament, a dog that is able to be very calm, but also confident, be able to work in public situations, a dog that's very tolerant of behaviors that children might display. And so we're looking for a specific personality when we look at a service dog. And then we build on that when we're looking at the skills that the dog would be tasked to do for the individual, and in our case, the child. So we are working with the dogs to make sure that we don't have inappropriate barking. We don't want them, of course, jumping up on people, stealing food. You know, there is a specific set of behaviors the dog is expected to do to be under control in a public environment or an home environment.
1: Jennifer, let me ask when a body has to deal with something like seizures, I've I've read on a couple of occasions that dogs can detect that and then they alert their individual. Can you talk about how that's done? Certainly
2: is for us it's a scent-based behavior, a dog that's being able to recognize the scent changes within an individual that differs from what is quote-unquote normal for that person. So if they have a seizure, it's different from when they're not having a seizure. So basically it's teaching the dog to recognize those scent changes from when a person is having some type of circumstance, that's not normal, high blood sugar, a seizure, um, things
1: like that. There are plenty of people who have mobility issues, and, and you have dogs that will give some assistance to those individuals for both kids and adults. How can dogs assist those with mobility issues?
2: So mobility needs. At Four Paws, all our dogs are trained case-specifically. So those needs could be things like the dog turning on off a light switch. They use their nose to turn it on their paw to turn it off um, to push a handicap button out in public. You know, walk up there and use their paw to push a button to pick up something that someone has dropped. So go get it, pick it up in their mouth and bring it over to the person and place it in their lap. Um, it could be helping with clothes. It could be doing some stand and brace. So with children, that's a bit different for us than adults. Children with imbalance issues size ratio between child and dog, we do use some more stability support where the dog is walking with their handler. So often again their parent, the dog wears a special harness that has a handle on the back. And so the child can hold on to that handle similar to how they would a railing and they're able to go a lot farther or really walk at all by using the dog for stability support. Realistically for most adults, four paws places service dogs with children that have disabilities And then also with veterans and within our veterans program, we do a lot of our mobility placements as well. For an adult, um, especially a guy who is probably quite a bit larger than the dog, as we place mainly labs and golden retrievers, they're really not able to provide as much weight bearing for that individual. So they do more for keeping up with balance as opposed to being a weight bearing type
1: stability. In the way of goals, could your dogs be helping someone just get around? Or could they have a goal of getting back to school or to work?
2: Yeah, for a lot of our dogs, they're going out into public environments, helping that individual really reintegrate with society. And for many of our kids where they have a hard time, especially with sensory type needs, they have a hard time being part of society. And so this is a way that they can, they can kind of rejoin life. And for a lot of our kids as well, their behaviors might look somewhat different from um, other children's behaviors. So it's also as a social bridge for that child or that adult, that people might interact with that and they might come up and say, well, hi, how are you? What's your dog's name? And to somebody, you know, a child on a playground that might have been ignored previously due to acting different to their special needs, suddenly they're, you
1: know, the coolest kid in the playground. Jennifer Lutz with us, the associate director for... Four Paws, Four Ability, a nonprofit organization with these wonderful dogs who have special gifts, being specially trained to be able to help folks that are in need. And Jennifer, you mentioned veterans, so I wanted to ask you about that for a moment. What do these dogs do for veterans? How are they helping veterans?
2: Yeah, we have a large number of veterans that are seeking service dogs, seeking that additional help to be able to reintegrate back into society, back into the workforce to regain some of their life back. And so that might be individuals who suffer from PTSD. That might be others who are missing limbs, Um, a whole host of different needs that a veteran might be experiencing. And so it's trying to figure out where those needs might be for that veteran and then train a dog to be able to meet those needs.
1: And if it is the right decision for them and you're matching up a dog or a family or an individual, whatever the mix of that match would be, how do you make the right match? Are they all big dogs? Are they all small dogs? Who who makes the decisions on this is the perfect match here that needs to go forward?
2: Well, at Four Paws, we have Predominantly large breed dogs. So we do, as you can commonly picture, with service dogs, labs, golden retrievers, mixes of those breeds. Um, we do place a hypoallergenic option, a golden retriever mixed with the standard poodle, commonly called a golden doodle, and that's um, so that families who have allergies to dogs can also access a service dog. We do also have a small breed option. They're generally placed as a diabetic alert dog, sometimes hearing ears, sometimes seizure, and that's a papion. A small French breed that gets to be about five to ten pounds. Um, and Four Paws, we do have a breeding program, and our breeding program enables us to not only control the temperament as much as that's visibly possible, um, you know, see what we're producing from a temperament standpoint and also a health standpoint. So, from our breeding parents, we have a lot of health clearances and a lot of temperament tests that they have been through. And then once they have their puppies, then we are able to start the training with the dogs when they're honestly just even a couple days old within our puppy enrichment program. Um, And then we are working with those dogs all the way up until their advanced training. And it's during advanced training that the trainers are actually matching those dogs to specific individuals as they do that final training, the skill set that that dog is going to need to know um, to be placed as a service dog.
1: Jennifer, tell me the inspiration that started for pause for ability absolutely
2: our executive director is our founder and she actually has special needs and in her quest to get a service dog for herself she ran into a lot of roadblocks and in effect was told that they wouldn't be able to place a service dog with someone like her Um, and so she because of her her many needs and the types of things that she was looking for she realized that there was a need within the service dog industry to look at people as individuals and to see their needs case-specifically. What is she looking for that might not fit a generic example, but that a service dog could be trained to meet those needs. And so with that, she then developed Four Paws, for Ability as an agency that looks at people as individuals and able to case specifically train dogs for them
1: Jennifer Lutz associate director of four paws for ability thank you so much oh it was a pleasure thank you you are listening to closer look i'm tracy lynn and we're talking about the amazing abilities of dogs and how dogs assist individuals we're turning our focus to dogs who assist police officers in investigating crimes especially when it comes down to dog sniffing out technology with me is Todd Jordan. He's the owner, program developer, and chief trainer at Jordan Detection Canine. Todd, I think that these are unique abilities. What does this come down to? Is it a unique ability, or does it come down to specialized training?
0: Um, I think all dogs have the capabilities of being able to sniff out the odor. Some dogs are better. They have a better drive, uh, like Labradors, and like the police departments use a lot of the Shepherds and Malinois and, and dogs like that, but I think it's just more so Dogs that are willing to go to work, be able to train those dogs. I mean, it's a rigorous training session that they have to go through.
1: So how can a dog sniff out technology? I find that fascinating, even just asking you that question, because I'm wondering, are they are they sniffing out a certain device or are they sniffing out the leftover scent people leave on them? I mean, what are they sniffing out?
0: a uh, chemist, at the Connecticut State Police actually came up and, and discovered that there's a chemical compound that is identified in all electronic storage devices. Uh, the dogs are actually trained to hit on and indicate on the chemical that's inside of there.
1: I've read this story, and you've been involved in this case, where I've read a dog found a USB. It was in a jar that was closed. The jar was in a box. The box had stuff in it. The jar itself had stuff in it. And the dog still found the USB. How in the world does that right. happen?
0: Once the item is inside, whatever the item is that the dogs are trying to indicate on, once it's inside of a jar or whatever, the, the seal, the rubber seal that's in the jar, I, the odor will actually permeate outward, and the dog can actually indicate on that. We've actually had the dogs actually hit on a gun safe where there's been um, SD cards inside of a gun safe, and the dog actually can smell around the seams of that gun safe and find and indicate there and to only open it up to find several SD cards within a safe.
1: What specifically are you training your dogs to sniff out?
0: Well, the chemical compound that's inside of the devices are, they're in SD cards, thumb drives, iPhone, iPad, uh, micro sds the ones that are about the size of your fingernail any type of electronic things that people use to store devices or store images on is what the dogs are trained to indicate on.
1: And so, not that I'm promoting this by any means, but if an individual wants to try to eliminate that material, that's impossible, isn't it?
0: That is impossible to do, correct.
1: Why is it important that dogs can do what you train them to do?
0: Now, the dogs are utilized in all sorts of different types of crimes, specifically for child exploitation human trafficking types of um, cases. So the dogs are are mainly used for those dives, which is pretty important in the police world.
1: And I don't want you to give away any secrets, of course, or any ways that detectives need to keep close at hand because of, of their work. But when you talk about human trafficking and, and child exploitation, in what ways are these dogs helpful?
0: Yeah, so most of the people are are they're bad guys that are actually, they're taking images off of computers or information off of a computer depending on what type of crime it is that they're dealing with and they're storing those images or documents on the electronic storage device whether it's a thumb drive or anything like that the police officers identify where the bad guy lives and then the dogs are actually utilized to come in once the search warrant is there once they have probable calls to enter the house the bad guys usually hide those the thumb drives and the sd cards and all that so the police officers will come into the house they'll identify that with an ip address that they've found There's items within that house, and so then they bring the dog in. The dog is utilized to find those little tiny things that would take police officers forever to find the little micro SDs and things like that. The dogs can actually do a lot faster than what the investigators can.
1: If the detectives had a case that went into a workplace, would these dogs that you train go into a workplace?
0: Yeah, I've actually used the dogs on an insider threat case um, here in Indianapolis where the dogs were called in because they had found a a bugging device within an office, and there was an insider-type threat. So they called in for the dogs to come in and do a sweep along with the other investigators as they're using their mechanical-type devices. They called one of the dogs to come in as well and just to help with the process.
1: Todd, it seems like our conversation is really focused on the dogs that you train and how they help police officers and detectives. Do you also train dogs to help fire investigators, and is that a different training?
0: It is a different type of training. Um, The accelerant detection dogs are trained. To indicate on hydrocarbons that are left over at a fire. So things that arsonists may use like gasoline, kerosene, diesel fuel, uh, lighter fluid and things like that, uh, the dogs are actually trained to indicate on those as well.
1: Now fire investigations are obviously different than police investigations. If you were looking into a home that may have caught on fire, the material that the dogs are looking for, the ones that are sniffing out the technology, is that material still able to be detected?
0: Those devices can actually be found um, even in a fire situation. I mean, if they're not within the area of origin.
1: Todd Jordan, owner, program developer and chief trainer at Jordan Detection Canine, training dogs to help police with investigations and also firefighters with their work as well. Your dogs, primarily, if they're sniffing out technology or they're helping fire investigations, do you find that your dogs have a great benefit with individuals, the general public, if you will, or are they more for detectives and fire officials?
0: They're more so for police departments or fire investigators as well, but there are private investigators that also use these dogs um, for, like I was talking about with insider threats. You have businesses that, especially like in Washington, D.C., where there's some high security information and they won't allow cell phones or any type of electronic storage devices for any employee to carry those from the outside in. And then they are worried about people maybe smuggling that information out on a micro SD. So it would be good for private companies to be able to utilize these dogs as well.
1: Todd, you're the owner of your business, the program developer, the chief trainer. Why did you begin this? How did you begin this company?
0: Um, I started out training a dogs dogs about 20 years ago, and I'm a firefighter and actually a fire investigator. So that's where I had my passion and where the canines came into play with that. I was approached by an investigator, uh, Lieutenant Cameron Hell- Ellison, from Fisher's Police Department that works for the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. And he was mentioning going on a search warrant that um, he had spent several hours looking for a micro SD that he knew was in the house so they couldn't find it and just by chance as they were walking out they found this micro SD and so within our conversation I just asked him, I said, I've heard about these canines, one of these canines benefit an Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force and he said, could you train one of these dogs? So that's how I got into it but once I got into training them um, I started to be utilized in all the different cases around here in Indian- Indianapolis area and some were major cases that the dogs were recognized for. Where
1: do you get your dogs?
0: Most of my dogs are, are rescue dogs. I would say 90% of them come from rescues, and these are the dogs that, that nobody else really wanted. And, you know, I have one that's actually in Utah. His name's Earl. And it's spelled URL. That dog was actually in the pound twice. I mean, they someone dropped that dog off, didn't want it, said that, you know, it was untrainable. Another family picked the dog up and rescued him and a week later brought the dog back so this dog is untrainable i don't want anything to do with it and then they called me and the dog is now working it's probably one of the best dogs um, out there that i've trained that this dog just needed a purpose he needed he needed that drive another place we get the dogs are career assistant or career change dogs from um, places that are leader dogs and places like that that I can prison dogs where they're trained for disabilities. Um, so we get a lot of the dogs from there that, you know, may be too hyper to be handled by someone with disabilities. We get the dogs from them as well.
1: Do you see any kind of therapeutic benefit to the officials that are using these dogs? Um,
0: especially in the electronic world and the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Forces. I mean, you have to remember these these investigators, they are looking at images that most of us don't really want to see. And to have those, have the dog there just to be able to go into the office and be there for a therapeutic thing. And one of the investigators out in Seattle Police Department that has had my first dog, he takes the dog and he makes sure that he stops at everybody's death. They have to turn away from the computer and pet the dog. And it just it, it helps with them emotionally and mentally as, as well. It also can be utilized, too, for the de-escalation of the scene. I mean, when we walk up with the dog, the family members are just distraught. And when you walk up there with a the dog, the dog can actually help with that. Um, when you're interviewing children, you can have the dog come in as they're being interviewed and the dog can be utilized as a comfort dog as well. So they're definitely used in all different aspects of the the whole process of the investigation.
1: If somebody is listening throughout the country right now, you mentioned Indiana. If they would like to have one of these dogs maybe in their police department or with their fire squad, how can they contact you? Do you send these dogs out across the country?
0: Yeah, I do. All the dogs are specifically going to Internet Crimes Against Children Task Forces. There are 62 task forces around the nation. They're all purchasing the dogs and getting them within their task forces. Uh, The same with the fire departments and police departments that deal with fire investigations. Anybody can utilize the dogs all over the nation.
1: Todd Jordan, he's the owner, program developer, and chief trainer of Jordan Detection Canine. Find out more. You just log online to electronicdetectioncanine.com. Todd, thank you so much for your time. All
0: right. Thank you very much.
1: And a big thank you to both of our guests joining us today. Jennifer Lutz, the Associate Director with Four Paws for Ability. You can find out more about their organization and the dogs that help those with disabilities and vets suffering PTSD at fourpawsforability.org. Todd's website is electronicdetectioncanine.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Tracy Lynn.
0: This has been K Love Closer Look.
1: Find us online at klove.com.